I want to take you back to 2020 and 2021. So I did a little research on this. Here are some titles and the broadcast dates. Uh, on the, uh, the 16th of March, 2022, Propaganda and McDonald's, the deadly meta-narrative Americans have been stewing in since 1915 with Brother Andre Marie. Uh, from uh, February the 23rd, 2022, uh, part one, why back to the land advocates need a meta-narrative with Brother Andre Marie. And then from uh, the 5th of January, 2022, Reconquest, episode 309, or 309, two elements of a Christian meta-narrative. So, uh, the point being that Brother Andre and I have talked about the meta-narrative and about um, James Corbett and others, about how the bad guys own a meta-narrative, and it was a very successful one. This time around, we need to have a meta-narrative that counters theirs. So, without further ado, the host of Reconquest Radio, uh, the prior of the St. Benedict Center in Richmond, New Hampshire. Uh, by the way, Richmond, New Hampshire is not the Richmond, uh, Richmond north of Richmond. <laughs> that Richmond is actually way, way north of uh, the Richmond, Virginia. But Brother Andre and Marie, our co-host here on uh, most Wisdom Wednesdays here on Wisdom Wednesday. Uh, brother, brother, good morning. Good morning, Mike. And how? How? Oh, we got an echo. Reddit. I'm getting a feedback loop. I uh, I don't know when I when I uh, when I cranked up the um, the Comrex and the and the mixing board this morning. Your channel was really incredibly loud, and I had to turn it down. But that shouldn't affect you. That no, shouldn't no. Affect my my. Uh, well, I don't know what to... Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to try some other method because that feedback is there and it is, it, it's big. Maggie will just have to mute uh, when, when I'm talking. Let's talk about the, uh, the meta-narrative. So if you're watching on video, you're not going to get a switch in video, okay? Because she's going to have to mute me when, when Brother uh, is talking until we can figure this out. And we will because we shall persevere. We're like Martin Luther King. We will overcome. Uh, brother, when you and I were talking about meta-narratives back in 2022, late 2021, and uh, you know, early on into 2022, we were pretty much analyzing what had been done and the fact that they had a meta-narrative, that they, the, they being the World Economic Forum and all the stakeholders and the usual suspects there, and they were very successful at it. Uh, and I thought that today we, we would start, because we were probably many new listeners today, about what a meta-narrative is and why it's important, which is why when we talked about it, we went all the way back to 1915 and the cigarette smoking campaign. You know, how they convinced people that, oh, no, this is perfectly safe here. Look at all these happy women that are smoking. So uh, where should we start with? What is a meta-narrative? Yeah, that that's definitely where we should start. Um, and and the meta okay so we need to distinguish between a narrative and a meta narrative a, na a narrative tells a story right a narrative tells a story any story about anything a meta narrative also called a grand narrative is something that gives meaning to your whole life it gives meaning to the world it gives meaning to your existence 
This is the thing that uh, it's called meta because it sits above all the other narratives, right? It's called grand because it's the big narrative that all the other narratives get fit into. So that's a meta narrative. And if if um, the Anthony Fauci's and Charles Schwab's and all these guys have their own meta narrative, it's it's going to be scientific. It's going to be evolutionist. It's going to be uh, materialist. It's you know what whatever their particular uh, worldview is, it's going to be wrapped up in their false meta narrative. Our meta narrative as as Christians is based upon the Gospels based upon the entirety of uh, divine revelation, both what we get in the Old and New Testaments, as well as apostolic tradition passed on. And um, our meta-narrative accommodates all the truths of the faith, including you know God's uh, governance and conservation of the world and the order of grace as well. And when you have a, when you have a meta-narrative that doesn't ac- accommodate those things, you have a me- meta-narrative that is essentially uh, false or as far as it goes, well, or at least inadequate. It, it might be true as far as it goes if it's got things um, uh, along the lines of the natural um, law right. It doesn't need to have the order of grace to be right about the natural law, although <laughs> uh, most people that get the natural law right also get grace right. Or maybe I should say it this way, most people that get the natural law wrong <laughs> don't have the order of grace. Um, but so, so that, there's the difference between a narrative and a meta-narrative. What, what, what Schwab and company and, and Fauci and, and uh, all of the um, political and science, science hacks who uh, f- foisted the COVID-19 narrative on us, they were giving, they were giving us a narrative. They were giving us uh, a story <clears throat> based upon, you know, the, <clears throat> this particular virus and its effects and all. And they, and they told tales about that. And that was their narrative. And I, I think in, in, in many cases, it probably wraps up into a false, a false narrative, a false meta narrative. And, right, and I think, right. and, and this is, this is the reason why certain people were sort of inoculated against it. Because the people whose meta-narrative was right and who also understood as part of that meta-narrative that where we are in history, and here I am taking a page out of the playbook of E. Michael Jones, where we are in history now is that we're being run by people who have these, these false fundamental presuppositions that are scientific in nature, <clears throat> uh, that are globalist in nature, and they clearly have an agenda and it's and it's not christian and when 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 you can see that reality that of what they're doing and as you saw i saw lots of us saw pretty early on in the covid nonsense we saw it and uh and i think the reason we saw it is because part of our meta narrative is that the 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 people who are uh, on the on the wrong side of uh, the, uh, the 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 battle between good and evil, right? right. We're, we're clearly using this thing. It was obvious, and uh, you know where you know, e. Michael Jones is arguing against these like there were these Dominican fires and stuff. So saying, well, you know, the government has has a duty to maintain the common good, and yeah, we they really do have a right to do these things. And right, right. Jones's response was, yeah, well, okay, theoretically, yes, but you don't know where we are in history, and and I think that was a great answer. It's a short answer. He, he sometimes speaks in shorthand, 
but but he's also capable of longhand unpacking what that means and and what that means is that the people who are running things now don't have our best interests at heart and they all have a long record of proving that if you're awake enough to pay attention and just saying oh well you know in theory if you look at you know what the great scholastics wrote about the the authority of those who govern society we should be able to give them all this authority to do this stuff that's not the question the question is i mean we're not anarchists so yeah we do believe that there's political authority uh, but but we, we understand what it is that they're doing. We understand that there's an agenda. We understand these people are anti-life. They're anti-human. They're part of what Corbett calls an anti-human death cult. And that's clearly what's motivating them. It's been motivating Anthony Fauci for decades. He has a long and horrific career that we can look at and scrutinize, and it has been scrutinized. So, no, you don't trust these creeps, and, and, and you have to resist this sort of thing. Uh, especially when it reaches into the sanctuary. Even Cardinal Dolan recently came out and said, you know, maybe we went too far in going along with these lockdowns and, and, and closing down our churches. So so part of what I wanted to talk about here today, and that's a great explanation and a, and a great kind of a primer to get us uh, to get our heads right here on uh, the difference between narrative and uh, meta narrative. Uh, the narrative that uh, that is coming out already, and now you have Representative Matt Gates among others. Matt Gates came out yesterday and very humorously said, "I am not going back to eating on the to eating in restaurants on the gutter. I'm not going to do it." You know, I think that there is something to be said for human dignity and that one of the things the corona doom robbed many people of it certainly robbed children of some of their dignity it robbed old people of the dignity to be able to see their loved ones for example before they died um, uh, and, and I and I and I think that there has been a, that there will be a long-term consequence to this this is not going to play out the same way it did in 2020 here's Matt Gates brother uh, just kind of talking about that they're gonna roll this out and that no we're not gonna do it this time. I want to turn to uh, the Democrats are seeking to politicize science and medicine again, new lockdown fears. You, you famously wore a gas mask in Congress, mocking the, the lockdowns initially, which I loved. And, and, and now we're seeing universities across the country and even Hollywood bringing back the vaccine mandates and the mask mandates. There are even reports the TSA could be bringing back masking despite overwhelming data that masks don't work at slowing the spread of, of viruses. What can the public and the GOP do to address these, these non-scientific moves by the private sector and government respectively? Well, we learned that we can have tyrants at every level of government, didn't we? We, we had tyrannical little mayors and governors uh, and folks believing that they could dictate the American way of life. I am not going back to gutter dining. I am not going back to sitting outside of a perfectly good restaurant uh, just because the powers that be want that type of social control. Uh, I think we can vindicate the rights of our fellow Americans, particularly in the free exercise of religion, uh, following what we learned from the lockdowns of uh, COVID. And if they're coming back again, I think we're going to have a lot more Americans a part of our political coalition to stand for freedom. Okay, so I think that uh, I think that Matt Gates is is right uh, this time around. I also think that uh, when, uh, it, this won't matter to the usual to, to the uh, the usual suspects and the powers that be. But there is one thing 
that is working again, that will work against them this time. And that will actually, it's, a, it's kind of twofold. One, Congress cannot borrow another $6 trillion to throw another PPE program out there. They just can't. Uh, in this environment, they're just, uh, that, that's, so that's one thing. That's not going to happen. The second thing is not going to happen is that uh, Nazi Pelosi is no longer in, in, in control of the House of Representatives. Probably isn't going to be a mask or any kind of a lockdown in Congress. Schumer may try and impose one on the Senate. But I uh, shudder to think that the Congress will not go along with it this time. So you're not going to have a co the uh, supposed co-equal branch of government. That would then lead the Biden regime with the executive branch and the uh, and the injustice department to mete out this kind of misery again and then to try and enforce it. Uh, that's a, look, that is going to come in the form of very nasty-looking, heavy-handed government overreach. Everything that we—the irony to me is— all of the conspiracy theories are going to start coming true. The train cars hauling people off in the middle of nowhere. Well, what are you going to do with all the people that, refu that have refused to go along? And you got blue states that are willing to deploy their National Guard to arrest them. So to me, the meta narrative that's going to that, that they're going to try and go with this time, uh, as I said, you're not going to have the, these vast majorities of, 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 of kind of supple people, uh, sheep that are going to go along with it. This thing can get really nasty really fast, and there is no indication that this cult of death cares about life. And it cares about human life in any way, shape, or form at any level or in any age of living. Certainly, we know they don't care about children. Will that then extend to adults? I think that that's the situation that they're that they're cooking up for us. Are they aware of this? Do, do, do they care? I don't know, but that's what I uh, I, I thought I would play that, and uh, we would continue the conversation, brother. Mike, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm as, as sanguine <clears throat> as perhaps you are about the resilience of the American people in the face of false propaganda. I hope you're right. I hope that people learned from you know, round one of this nonsense and realized that this is all fake and this is, or, well, there's a reality. As is usually the case, there's a thread there and they weave a whole tapestry around the thread, right? They weave this whole false tapestry around the thread. The thread is, yeah, there is this, there is this virus. Well, then we, then we find out you know, that it was, as, as Mr. Carpenter told us, it was uh, <clears throat> engineered by uh, by the American government and by the Chinese, right? Um, right. So right. Um, the, um, the, the we 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 know we know that that that's a reality there. Uh, it's a it's essentially a bioweapon that was advertently or inadvertently uh, leaked from the lab in, in in Wuhan. So that that's true. But then they wove this whole thing around it to 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 make it into a boogeyman. And are people really, are they really um, inoculated against that? Um, maybe more people are now than were then. I believe that. But I don't know if there would be enough resistance to um, make, make the powers that shouldn't be stand down when, when this kind of thing really, if they really go, you know, whole hog into lockdowns and mask requirements and all that stuff. Um, but, and, you know, so, it, but I do, I do think, um, 
that it you know people need to be educated on it and and I do also think this that a lot of people did connect with groups and entities and individuals like you know maybe they were YouTubers maybe it was James Corbett maybe it was you know RFK's organization um, and and similar entities uh, the these various physicians that 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 um, uh, were putting out material on this that people now have places where they can go and get information right away. Uh, and, um, and so I do think there will be more resistance, but I don't know. I mean, th look at it this way, Mike, what do you think of this? Cause you're, you're the, you're the political guy. I'm not, but um, look at, look at how, uh, okay. So we were, we're coming up on election year, right? Yep. Yep. Um, supposing this, supposing the lockdowns and mask mandates and all that stuff comes back and supposing that, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to assume that this supposed new variant or whatever this, the, the, the new boogeyman is, I don't want to assume that they took the thing back into a lab and like tweaked it and made it worse. Maybe they did. Right. So maybe there's, maybe there's more, uh, uh, punch to the new version. I don't know, but supposing that they they uh, there is this new variant and they 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 put in all these uh, mandates and lockdowns and then they say, well, wait a minute, if you're resisting this, you're just like the January sixth revolutionaries who wanted to take down the government. And they're, what they're going to what uh, what I'm seeing as a possibility is that during an election year they're going to say, well, wait a minute, you got all these requirements and all these people who are anti-Washington, like the guy you were talking about earlier, who was reacting oddly to um, uh, Oliver Anthony's uh, song, uh, Richmond North of Richmond. Richmond North of Richmond. Richmond. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that what I said? Richmond North of Richmond. Yes. He was saying that's that's. You know, they're anti-Washington. They're anti-Washington. Um, by the way, my response would be, no, I think George Washington's great. <laughs> they called me anti but uh, But if you look at, if you look at, uh, I mean, is that, is that a consideration? You know, they're going to say, um, okay, you're anti-government if you're opposed to this, because the government, the benevolent government, the helping hand of government is striking again. And you need to accept this help. And if you don't, you're a January 6th, uh, uh, whatever, insurrectionist. Because they've got, they've got their lexicon of, of buzzwords. And they've got the bought and paid for media. Do you think that that's what they're going to do? Perhaps even having martial law if things go really wonky and enough people resist. And that so that all of us are now uh, January 6th um, insurrectionists. Hey, brother, could you do me a, a favor and, and look on your uh, your mixing board and make sure that the channel that I come through on that the little gray button that says alt three, four mute is pushed down. OK, looking, looking, looking. This will help us. There you go. There you go. No. Um, it's pushed down now. Okay. There you go. Problem solved. All right. But I can't hear you. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 
Somebody came in and messed with your mixing board because it was in the proper position last week. All right, we'll go back. I can't have any crosstalk with brother because we're. If you're wondering why isn't TKD popping in, why don't I hear him laughing? Because if I do, you're going to hear it three times. So uh, we'll continue to work on this. It's probably in your uh, in, uh, in your headphone selection of what you can hear, brother. Uh, on your headphone, you want to be able to have that button, that Alt three four button, push down underneath your headphone. Uh, volume control that would allow you to hear when the other button is pushed but sans that number one i'm not sanguine about the american sheeple and about the about what there is that they're thinking i'm only saying that there are more of them than there were at this time in 2020 I'm not saying that the, the, the vast majority of the, the great American awakening, awakening has occurred. But I, all I'm saying is that if you took the numbers from 2020 and you compare them to today, the amount of people that would be able to go like, I'm not sure I believe that narrative. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that you guys just made the whole thing up and it's not good for me or my family and I'm not going to do it. It's probably double what it was. Now, but it was a low number to begin with. So all I'm saying is that the number is higher. Now, you and I know from discussing those annual Rockefeller Foundation reports that they had had this, uh, this whole New World Order Great Reset teed up for at least a decade. Uh, and they were talking about three scenarios. One was a climate disaster. One was a, nat or was a natural disaster, an earthquake or a series of tsunamis or whatever. One was a, uh, an epidemic or a pandemic. And then I forget what the third one was. Maybe the third one was a global economic crash. Um, and so they picked the, the, the one that fell into their laps. And the one that fell into their laps was what? One that fell into their laps was the pandemic. And they ran with it. And as I said, they went pedal to the metal. They didn't just go a little bit in. They went all in. And most of the world, including the Chinese and the Russians, went along for the ride and followed suit under this, uh, this, this, this ill-gotten fear that this virus was going to kill so many uh, of Earth's inhabitants, uh, 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 people, which it just didn't do. Now, maybe they messed up when they were engineering the virus and they didn't get it right. Some people are telling me, and I got some military guys that I'm in, some special ops guys that I'm in contact with are telling me that, uh, Mike, that they they kept working, Fauci and company kept working on the virus. And the one that they're going to release this year is the one that's going to do the damage that they said the first one was going to do. Well, that's exactly what I said. I don't know if they're doing this. Uh, but uh, I mean, I remember when this thing first rolled out in uh, in 2020, in 2020, when it came out, we I was talking to the then headmaster of our school and said, yep, yep. you know, what I fear the most is that, th th that this thing, which is not killing that many people, which is just kind of a, a, a flu, I fear that they're going to go in and, and sort of re-engineer it and make and, and release a real killer. And just to prove us wrong, like, you know, because we we're going around saying, this is just a flu. Come on, we get over it. That's what I actually feared. But um, so it sounds like what, you, what the intel you're getting is that that's what they're talking about, huh? 
Well, they actually have a number for this virus. As a matter of fact, Scott Gottlieb was out there talking about this uh, on Sunday. We've got this new meta. This is a mutation. Well, what, as Maggie was saying, though, you, you, if you say mutation, keep, people get even more scared. But that's the opposite of what you should, because when it mutates, it gets weaker. You want it to mutate. <laughs> you don't want it to stay in the form in which it's in. Yeah, I have I have uh, several contacts that have been that have told me that the that there is a new new virus, and that yeah they have already released it, and that people are doing international travel um, uh, are the ones that are that are getting it or bringing it back. Um, and then the, 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 you can see that the die is cast that they're going to try and do this again. Again, if we go back to the to, to the conversation about the, the narrative and the meta narrative, you know, it seems to me that the first part of the meta narrative that uh, that we ought to be talking about right now and ought to be talking to <laughs> the good priest that we know is is that you can't. You know, when when you said uh, when Timothy Cardinal said maybe we went a bit too far. No, you're excellent, your eminence. No, you absolutely went too far. Again, this is why I brought the example up of Blessed Xavier Zelos. Blessed Xavier Zelos had it right during the yellow fever epidemic here in New Orleans in the, in the 19th century, and uh, that uh, the churches remain open. It is uh, the, the most, the, the, uh, the, the thing that we must insist upon. And I don't know outside of prayer and penance and fasting what the laity can actually do about this. And maybe that's when I just repeat myself for, uh, for my own uh, self-aggrandizement. But that's the part of the narrative that the church must remain open. Must. There cannot be. If the churches are closed again, uh, you know, I don't know what would become of this version of it if they repeat 2020 just using the exact same methodology and they're successful in shuttering the churches again uh, I don't know may lead to a real persecution because there are going to be many people that have now come to the realization that our churches never should have shut down well what are they going to do about it mm -hmm. Mike by the way I think I figured out uh, the problem and I think we can cross talk now because I've muted you and I can hear you. You muted me and you can hear me. Fantastic. Yes, sir. You fixed it. Yeah, well, I think I figured out what somebody did. And um, it wasn't like some, some gremlin snuck into my office. <clears throat> the audience approves. We, <laughs> we had to use this for, some, for a function. And, and I, won't, I won't say uh, who did it, but somebody had to readjust this for another use. And when it was put back, not all the settings were fixed. And the person who did this should have realized that I'm an idiot when it comes to technology and I can't just spot, oh, that's wrong, you know? Uh, just like I'm just looking at all the pretty colored knobs and stuff, but I figured it out. <laughs> okay, no, we're we're good to go. With Brother Andre Maria, host of Reconquest here on the Crusade Channel. It's interesting uh, to me to go and, and to look at our headlines from um, January or, or March of, of of 2022 when we were talking about how this deadly meta narrative has been stewing since 1915. Yeah, uh, you know. I asked you for a little assistance in my latest Substack while I was and while I, while I was researching it, I came across that quote by Henry Luce 
uh, and about uh, about Life magazine and what it was. It, and he said this back in 1936. To see life, to see, this is what Life Magazine and the new, new media was going to do for the human race. To see life, to see the world, to eyewitness great events, to watch the faces of the poor and the gestures of the proud, to see strange things, machines, armies, multitudes, shadows in the jungle and on the moon, to see man's work his paintings, towers, and discoveries, to see things thousands of miles away, things hidden behind walls and within rooms, things dangerous to come to, the women men love and many children, to see and to take pleasure in seeing, to see and be amazed, to see and be instructed. You know, most people that would have read that back in 1936 would not know or could not have known what Henry Luce was up to and what the rest of them were up to and what he was really talking about. Yeah, brainwashing. Brainwashing. Exactly. Programming. Propaganda. Right. You're going to use your new media to program people to accept certain things that they never would have accepted before. Yeah, and Henry Luce was, uh, you know, don't forget that the that the Time Life uh, Fortune 500, because that was another one of his. Those those magazines, the 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 Luce Media Empire, there was a revolving door between that and the nascent deep state, the uh, all all of the alphabet soup intelligence agencies, which uh, basically you know, the CIA came out of what was it, the OS OSS. They, that that whole thing was born out of the intelligence services that grew up in World War II. By the way, another another sort of back backward defense of the um, Catholic Just War doctrine, because we know we know you know going to war should be a last resort. Why? Because well, many reasons, but one of the reasons is that I mean the main reason is that. People are going to die. You know, there's going to be there's going to be deaths. You're going to have fathers of families dying, and that's bad for the next generation. And and I think we have historical proofs for that in the generation of '68, who many of whom were fatherless because of World War II, and they became the sexual revolutionaries. Right. Right. So um, that's one one that's the most obvious reason that you know it causes death and harm, and that's undesirable. But another reason, and in, in modern times, I mean, St. Thomas, I don't think, would have known about this because it didn't exist in his time. But one of the reasons in modern times, with the growth of the, the gigantic nation state that St. Thomas didn't know about, it didn't exist at his time, um, one, one of the, the, the real effects of war is that you get more and more government control when government is in the hands of bad people. And the, the government control is not going to go away when the war goes away. When, when the war goes away, uh, in the case of World War II, <clears throat> they just couldn't stand the prospect of saying, well, you know, we have this robust intelligence apparatus now, and we're just going to sort of fire all those people and shut the whole thing down. No, they, they ratcheted it up, and the excuse was the Cold War, and that's why they had to sell the American populace on fear porn all during the Cold War. You know, I grew up at the tail end of the Cold War, right. and a lot of it was fake. I mean, the the the, the Red Menace. I'm not. I, I'm principled a principled anti-communist, right? So we're, we're no, none of us 
here believes in communism. We're all opposed to it. But the, the threat of war with Russia was exaggerated in the minds of Americans deliberately because it was a great excuse to have people in fear. And because when people are in fear, you can force all kinds of things down their throats. So you had this huge uh, intelligence apparatus that grew up during World War II that was accelerated afterwards, and we're still living with it. These are the people that took down Trump. These are the people that, uh, that are the unelected people who really run Washington, D.C., and, you know, that, that, that's why, you know, I mean, I, I wish uh, Oliver Anthony knew this. He probably, maybe he has an inkling of it. Maybe he has a, 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 an intuition about it. But th there's a real history to all of these things. And these people were in, they, these, these were the same people who were working with John Courtney Murray <clears throat> and with, um, in the case of Henry Luce, explicitly, they were making John Courtney Murray, the liberal progressivist Jesuit, into a superstar so that they could influence the Catholic Church to change her social teaching. Why? Well, among other reasons, so that Catholic nations, which weren't part of the global economy, that American corporations could uh, hack into their, their uh, markets, uh, so that they could be part of the glo that global economy. And it was... It was the gringo, you know, exporting his uh, the the wasp uh, uh, laissez-faire capitalist system to a bunch of nations to whom that kind of thing was foreign. So uh, it was. It, I mean, and this is all thoroughly, thoroughly documented in David Wemhoff's book uh, on the subject. On John Courtney Murray and the CIA and how the CIA infiltrated the Catholic Church, which 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 by the way weighs about ten pounds if you get both volumes. <laughs> oh, well, okay, I, I have it all in one volume, but maybe they reprinted it in two. Well, I think that they, I think it came out in part one and part. Yeah, no, it is enormous. I think just for simplicity's sake, that they, uh, one of the publishers, uh, republished it in, in part one and part two. Um, but it's the same work. We've had David Wimhoff here on the, the the show several times. Let's go back because the Red Menace. Okay, this is interesting. The okay, the Red Menace was the Soviet Union. And, of course, most Americans, I, I'm a little older than you, brother. Uh, I can remember, remember, I can remember watching the uh, the 1980 Winter Olympics. I can remember my mother letting me stay, uh, or I can remember staying up late and watching that game where the U.S. hockey team played uh, the Russians. And oh, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I remember They that. made a great, Disney actually did a good job, made a wonderful movie out of it with, uh, with Kurt Russell as the coach, Ken, what was Ken's last name? I'm trying to remember now. Um, uh, it was called Miracle. And, uh, you know, most people won't remember this, but the United States did not beat the Soviets in the gold medal round. To get into the medal round, we beat the Soviets and knocked them into the loser's bracket, denying them a gold medal. So there was no way they could have won gold. Because when when we beat them, and of course, I think we ultimately beat Czechoslovakia. I want to say, uh, or Finland, one of those countries to win. But in any event, the propaganda worked because you hated <laughs> the Soviet Union hockey team. I hated Olga Corbett. 
I hated the U.S. the Soviet hockey team. I hated Dolph Lundgren and Rocky uh, and Rocky was there. Justin was there. Four Rocky Four and Rocky and, and, Four. And that was a propaganda movie. I mean that that was oh, explicitly. I, I believe that the CIA was involved. I forget who it was, but there was actual government involvement in that movie. That was explicit government propaganda. Uh, and to think that Sly went along with that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're trying to fight the Soviet Union. I mean, come on, uh, so the bad guys. I mean, you know, Rambo didn't want to tangle with those guys. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a fighter, Adrian. I gotta do it. I gotta do it for the country. <laughs> but it was it worked. It was so effective. So, ladies and gentlemen, you may think, yeah, that was then and distant now, TKD and brother. They're not doing that anymore. Oh, brother. Oh, dude. They have expanded the network. It, yeah, I mean, now it touches everything from food to to, to to TV shows to what app it is to you. Every dude, we are the most programmed communist in the history of programmed communists. The only thing that we don't have that the Chinese have uh, is we haven't we haven't admitted it yet. The Chinese people know that they live under a social credit score system. Whether you like it or not here in some level already here in the U.S., you live under a social credit score system. It's not well, the same, but it it's the beginning of it. Look at it from two different angles, Mike. The um, the 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 one angle is this: what you said about the nuclear war, about the about the nuclear annihilation of two cities in Japan. If the American people can be sold on that being morally acceptable, then what can't they be sold on? That's mm -hmm. one look. That's one quick glance. The other quick glance is this. Uh, uh, the book on propaganda that was written by, uh, I know we mentioned his name an awful lot, but uh, that was written by Edward Bernays, the nephew of Sigmund Freud. That book, which is the book, that's the book, and he's the man who gave propaganda a bad name. At the time the book came out, propaganda didn't have a bad name. Now it does. So they had to change it to public relations and whatever other euphemisms they use or synonyms they use for it. But... Um, that 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 book was written by the guy who was hired by the federal government to sell the American populace on World War One, and then, you know, during the inter, during the interwar years, he sold uh, women on smoking, and then after that, he sold the American populace on World War Two. Again, hired by the U.S. government. This is not a conspiracy theory; it's a conspiracy established fact it's documented so this guy was hired by the government to sell the american populace on two world wars that we had no business fighting in and to get the american people on board with it now he, so here's the here's the here's the rhetorical question if in 19 uh, when did we come into world war 1 1917 when did we when did we actually enter in as belligerents i'm forgetting into World War One or World War Two, nineteen seventeen. So we came in seventeen. Okay, nineteen seventeen. Right. So, uh, so, so the American populace was sold on uh, in nineteen seventeen. So, since nineteen seventeen, do you think that that the um, craft of propaganda has become more or less sophisticated? I mean, it's kind of a duh answer, right? Uh, because obviously, obviously, it was it has only become more sophisticated, and the the uh, technological means uh, of propagandizing people. You didn't have 
the the movie theaters at least not like you have now in 1917 social you didn't have the widespread media you didn't have the internet you didn't have social media all of these things are are, are very sophisticated means of um, leading on the the very gullible populace to be all for something I mean I I mean, I'm like a lab rat. I can remember, I can look at myself now as a lab rat when I was in college, uh, how I was uh, cheering on Gulf War One, And that was, you know, who was it, George Carlin that said this is the first war on, on, on all the major networks and cable? It was on cable and it got good ratings too. The war got good ratings, didn't it? Why? Because we like war. We're, We're a war-like war people. people. <laughs> yeah, so... Hey. You see, Carlin's propaganda works on you. You memorized it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and actually, he—well, he, I mean, I, Corlin was a vulgar man, but uh, but he was he was correct in this. He saw he saw through the propaganda, but that, that you know. So I was a victim of that. I was all you know, and again, I grew up Reagan years. You know, I, again, I had the terrestrial holy trinity of of uh, Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, and John Paul II. And I, I had this you know this extremely simplistic worldview in those days. And uh, when I realized Reagan was in the White House in Gulf War One, I, I know that. But I grew up in that milieu, and therefore, the the, the when the, when the righteous empire of America was going to war against these these bad Arabs, you know, I was all on board with it. I thought it was great um, because I was stupid and because I was being led around the by the nose by the propaganda um, campaign. So th this has only gotten, and, and is, it, is it a meta-narrative? No, it's not a meta-narrative, but there's a, there's a meta, it's a narrative, but, but too many people's meta-narratives are already to accommodate such false narratives. And that's why a true Christian meta-narrative is going to have built into it not only the fundamental dogmatic truths of the faith, including you know the sacramental economy, the 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 uh, the, the, the priesthood, the episcopacy, the papacy, uh, Marian devotion, you know the holy sacrifice of the mass, all that, uh, the the beatitudes, the moral law, all of that is going to be baked into the cake. But also part of the me the meta-narrative is going to be that there are good guys and bad guys in history and that the church is going to be persecuted and that the, the people who uh, don't accept what the church teaches, especially about core issues pertaining to the moral law, are on the wrong side of history and we must oppose them. And right now, all, what, what really makes me miffed is when you've got these pro-lifers who are perfectly willing to take from the pro-death people yep. all of these all of these uh, uh, draconian measures because well after all they have authority and they have the duty to protect us really you think they're protecting us like they protect babies in the womb really uh, so my, my point is we've got to get the right meta narrative so that we're immune to their fake narratives yes perfect brother I want to uh, I think I found your Fulton Sheen clip. It's from it, the one we were talking about where he said, I can date, I can give you, I can give you the date and time of when Amara, America's moral tipping point was reached. I think we have it on video. Maggie has it. Let's listen. See how much the world has changed? Now, what made it change? 
I think maybe we can pinpoint a date. 8.15 in the morning, the 6th of August, 1945. Can any of you recall what happened on that date? It's history. Before you were born, many of you. Yes, what was it? Which? The war, no. It was the dropping of the bomb on Hiroshima in Japan. When we flew an American plane over this Japanese city and dropped the atomic bomb on it, we blotted out boundaries. There was no longer a boundary between the civilian and the military, between the helper and the helped, between the wounded and the nurse and the doctor, between the living and the dead. For even the living who escaped the bomb were already half dead. So we broke down boundaries and limits. And from that time on, the world has said, we want no one limiting me. So that you people heard the song, you've sung it yourselves, I gotta be me, I gotta be free. You want no restraint, no boundaries, no limits. I have to do what I want to do. Now let's analyze that for a moment. Okay, brother, so there you go. That, now you heard the school bell ring? So obviously uh -huh. he was talking to some school kids somewhere, probably in New York City, I imagine. Uh, but there, you mentioned it two weeks ago, and I've been looking for it ever since, and I don't know how I stumbled on it this morning. Uh, thanks be to Our Lady for guiding me <laughs> to the correct place. But I believe that's the quote you were looking for. Well, that's the quote. So uh, we quoted that in something. We did. I, I, I found that. Uh, no, I know what it was. I, I used it in, in, my, in my show on the subject. And I um, had found it in the, an article on, it was either Catholic World Report. I'm or, looking or, right at it. It's Catholic World Report, the anniversary of Hiroshima, John Paul II, and Fulton Sheen on the bomb and conversion. There we go. There we go. By Dr. Jared Stout. On, uh, this is August of 2014. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that as we, uh, uh, post-Row now, we have some we have some work that, that's still left to be done when it comes to fighting for life and uh, and truly defending life, and to truly defending life in everywhere uh, and and uh, in, in, in our lives and that includes in the practice of in, in, of contraception and what have you here, and in uh, marriage marriage does matter. It's interesting to me that we are it seems to me that we're having more conversations now about the bomb than we were having 10 12 years ago when i first talked to pat pat buchanan about it i had buchanan on as a guest on the old station in the old country and he came on on no, august the 6th and he and i talked about it and we didn't talk about it from any catholic point of view it was just his view he wrote a book about it that it was completely and totally unnecessary and truman was told that it wasn't but that he did it anyway but uh brother i'm flattered that you keep quoting me <laughs> if you can convince people that dropping the bomb was a good thing you can convince them of anything uh but in this instance this is correct 
And here we are, what, 70 years, uh, almost 80 years now, removed, uh, 50, 78 years removed now from the dropping of the bomb. And most of them, now the numbers have gone down, but you still have a near majority, 40 some odd percent of people that still think that dropping the bomb is just. And, and, and that it was the right thing to do. You want to talk about the strength of propaganda? Who put that idea in their head? The CIA? Yeah. The American well, government? Just, yeah, a very, a very robust propaganda operation put it in their heads. So, and and don't, don't forget, I mean, leading into the war and at wartime, I mean, I wonder how many people in our audience have seen some of the Looney Tunes cartoon. We were talking about this yesterday. Feast of the Immaculate Heart, the brothers and sisters had dinner together and we had some guests. And somebody made uh, a, uh, um, a reference to Looney Tunes. Uh, it's just a historical reference. And we got talking about how the, uh, the, the Looney Tunes cartoons in those days and during the, during the war had these unbelievably xenophobic uh, depictions of Japanese. Oh, they were savages. Mm -hmm. And th this, this, so when Father Feeney objected to the, Father Feeney and St. Benedict Center immediately the day of objected to the dropping of, of the bomb on August 6th on Hiroshima. And, and they didn't know anything about how many Catholics were there. They, they, that data wasn't readily available. So they, they just, on moral principle, and that night at St. Benedict Center, there was a class and keep in mind, it wasn't a, it wasn't a formal school. These were these were students from area colleges who came to night classes that were voluntary, just just to to, to listen to Catholic things. And there were um, GIs that were present at the class, and they were giving explanations for why the bomb may have been dropped. And um, and 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 Sister Catherine narrates in the book, The Loyals and the Cabots, that. But we stood our ground, and we and Father Feeney and, and and I said, no, this is this is wrong on moral principles, and they and these GIs basically said what we were taught. They didn't basically; they said it that we were taught that J the Japanese are subhuman, and uh, and that that you know this makes it morally acceptable. And Sister Catherine says we don't we didn't know what subhuman meant. This seemed to be an implicit denial of what was taught by, I think it was the the, uh, the, the Fourth Council of Leon about the, um, the the immortality of the human soul. You know that 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 you know th these are actual human beings. And if you say if you can say of anybody, and that doesn't detract from the fact that the rape of Nanking and other atrocities committed by the Japanese were real, that doesn't deny that at all. But uh, but they were taught explicitly. And they were teaching this at Harvard that the Japanese were subhuman. Now Harvard is a bastion of wokeism and 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 you know liberal progressivism and and all this stuff. But in these days, in the 40s, they were teaching the, the subhumanity of people. Mm -hmm. And I, I I would imagine that Harvard has successfully uh, buried that in most people's minds. That that that's just gone down the down down the memory hole. But this was, but this is what was being taught, and and this was in the name of you know a lot of things that were done in the name of woke, cutting edge, or not, it wasn't called woke back then, but it would be called woke today. Cutting edge liberal progressivism was incredibly cruel and dehumanizing. Like think Oliver Wendell Holmes and the and the mass um, the mass uh, sterilization of people who were labeled imbeciles. 
So th this, th these, these atrocities were not done in the name of conservatism or in the name of Christian you know, tradition. That's right. These atrocities were committed by progressivists in the name of progress. The same people that were eugenicists, the same people. All of these agendas were present then. And I, I think they're still present now. They may have slightly evolved, but they're still present because many of the elites are the same darn people. So we are learning that today, uh, and this uh, segment has been about meta narratives, uh, what a narrative is, what a meta narrative is, and why we need to have one, and we better be prepared for pandemic, shandemic 2.0. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that are already uh, agitating toward this, and I think some of this agitation here in August of 2023, quite frankly, is, well, hey, I kind of faded out of view. You know, I was really popular when I was fighting, uh, you know, fighting against the, the, the vaccine mandates and what have you. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that many uh, of, of, of these supposed hero, media heroes of ours, weren't media types at all. They had <laughs> they had stumbled into and had uh, locked in and focused on the one particular issue and just pretty much can't do any other. And so somebody says, just beware, folks. You're going to see a lot of people that you're going to remember from 2021 and the vax mandates and uh, mid, 20, mid to late 2020 are going to be back on you. If you got social media feeds, they're going to be back and they're going to be wagging their fingers and warning you again. Just remember, they're pretty much one-trick ponies and uh, they may actually be hoping that this happens again so that then they get to reign over all the tyranny and explain it to you. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to try it. So, I, look, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who my source is, but I have a special ops source. I have somebody that's in special ops. And he still gets sent on missions, Okay. Uh, I don't think he actually gets uh, sent as a, as a front line. He's kind of like if you've seen the uh, the TV show SEAL Team, he is the guy with the beard who stays in the uh, in the bungalow and calls the shots. Wait, it's been so long since I saw, saw, seen the show. I can't remember his name now. Is it was it Fish Shepherd? Was it Shepherd? Can't remember his name. A, a, in any event, he's telling me he goes Mike. He goes TKD. They have another virus, and it's the same gain-of-function lab. It's the same people. And he said, uh, the word is now that this one is the real deal. This is the one that they, that they thought that they were releasing, but this is the one that is actually going to do the damage. Here is the takeaway, though, the upshot that my special ops guy is giving me. If you're healthy, you'll survive. Gee, where have I heard that at before? If 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 you're if you're moderately young, I mean, if you're like, like sub sixty or somewhere in the in the sixty five or younger or so, and you're in and you're in decent health, and you have a you know a decent uh, eating regime or, or or whatever, then you try and stay in good health, and you get it. If you have access to the usual over the counter stuff. Or, or stuff that should be over the counter, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, which the FDA, I don't know how they're going to walk that one back because the horse wormy medicine is now FDA approved. 
So uh, anyway, wait, what a shock to all of us to come out of there. Well, okay, we were kind of wrong. You know, the guy won a Nobel Peace Prize for basically finding this out that Avermectin, which is the grandpa of or the father of Ivermectin, that Avermectin that was used to fight the vi- the parasitical virus that gets in the eyes, gives you river eye, right? That it also had an application slightly altered called Ivermectin, had an application in upper respiratory illnesses. So I don't know how they walk that one back. Does the Biden regime come out and say, hey, we made a mistake. And yeah, and th- with this particular strain of virus, yes, yes. If you take ivermectin, it'll only make it worse. I don't know how they get out of that. Uh, fortunately for them, not a lot of people are the, the, the horse wormy medicine propaganda is still going to be there. And you're not uh, the, there are many people that won't avail themselves of it. So if they have teed it up and they're going to do it again, and we know what the goal is. Destruction, this is a controlled demolition, destruction of moderately successful small business people, me. Again, they didn't get us all in the first go around. They're back to bat cleanup. They're back to bat cleanup now. And secondly, to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president again. Um, our job and our, or our task, if you will, is to come up with and to do all that we can do to promote the counter narrative to it. Um, and, 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 and quite frankly, just to promote, look, pray, hope, and don't worry. <laughs> Keep praying. Tell your priests to stay active. Encourage them. You know, because the bishops come out against this again, uh, and, and, and they go with the lockdowns again. You said at the start of this interview today that you could foresee that, hey, maybe this devolves down into martial law. Okay, well, does the governor of a state like this, does Governor DeSantis allow martial law in Florida? I don't think so. Uh, is this the violent? Is this going to be not kind of like, 19, what was the year that the Democrats couldn't even have a convention? That was in 1970, wasn't it? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm a history guy. It was 1970 in Chicago. There were riots. Uh, or was it 1972? McGovern lost to Nixon in 72. So it would have been in 68 when they were in Chicago and they couldn't have the uh, convention. I want to say it was Hubert Humphrey uh, lost in 68, and then it was McGovern that lost in 72. Uh, but there was martial law. They, 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 at least it was partially. Is that the goal this time? I don't put anything past Biden. And by the way, brother, there's a question about uh, about Biden that a lot of people have been asking. So maybe someone asked you on social media. The priest that denied him communion that made all the headlines. They're the usual suspects are out there going like they've weaponized the sacraments now against good people. Well, first of all, he's not a good person. Second of all, um, uh, was that priest? I mean, his bishop hasn't reprimanded him or whatever, uh, that priest was perfectly within his duty as a pastor of souls if he knew Biden to be an advocate of the death uh, of, of, of things against the teaching. That's what he was supposed to do, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not... Now, somebody um, somebody said, uh, yeah, he's not been excommunicated. That, that's true. Um, but, you know, so, so some... Okay, so I'm looking at... Um, uh, SC Iceman, 
uh, he, he sent this tweet <clears throat> that he included me in and you. And it was a, one of these, what is it, a, a, an embedded tweet, I forget what you call it, but he's quote, a quote tweet. He's quoting this guy, William C. Michael. Biden is obviously a pro-choice politician, and the entire church knows that. He has not been excommunicated, i.e. removed from communion, so why should he not, so why should he not be able to receive the sacrament? Well, the answer to that is, it's not... <clears throat> The only, okay, so a priest is not limited to excommunicates when it comes to having the right and the duty to deny somebody Holy Communion. Uh, <clears throat> formal excommunicates are not the only people who are to be denied Holy Communion according to canon law. Excuse me, I had to gulp some water. I got a throat <laughs> thing. I don't know what's going on. Somebody said drink some kombucha in the chat room. It happens. Um, so anyway, long story short, Canon 915, okay, there's two canons, 915 and 916. One of them pertains to uh, the, the individual's conscience. Like, okay, so if you know that you're guilty of a mortal sin, you may not receive Holy Communion. That's the obligation on the part of the individual member of Christ's faithful, right? But there's also a separate obligation, and that is on the part of the sacramental minister, the part of the priest or, or deacon or God help us lay Eucharistic minister. Um, the canon law would bind them in this in, in such a case of that institutionalized abuse known as the lay Eucharistic minister. Anyway, um, canon law binds the minister of the sacrament that somebody who is a notorious public sinner is to be denied Holy Communion. Now, notorious public sinner is something that's understood in, 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 in canon law. This is not, oh, I heard that he's shacked up with his girlfriend, therefore I'll deny him communion. No, it's not hearsay. It's something that's known, it's publicly known. And if the priest knows it privately, if he knows it, for instance, from the confessional, he may not deny. Let's say he heard this person's confession right before Mass. Right. And the guy said, uh, yeah, I did X, Y, and Z. And the priest says, um, all right, well, here's what you have to do. Uh, you have to stop this. You have to, you know, whatever, whatever the sin is. You have to stop this. You have to take these means in order to stop this. And the guy says, I have no intention of doing that. And the priest says, well, then I can't give you absolution. And the guy walks out of the confessional unabsolved, right? Right. Of grave matter. I'm tracking. And the priest knows because he heard it. Okay, right. so then comes mass. Then the guy shows up at the communion rail. Can the priest deny him communion? No. No. Because he knows it, It's but it's occult knowledge in the sense that it's secret knowledge. He can't use it. But if it's, if, if it's a matter of, you know, Bob Smith, who is an abortionist at the abortion clinic, you know, on the, on the other corner opposite the church, and everybody knows it in the parish, including the priest, and he presents himself for Holy Communion, the priest is forbidden to give him communion. That's what a notorious public sinner is. And th this, I mean, I'm giving that example. There are others. Well, Biden is a notorious public sinner. Sure is. Because he, he notoriously uh, flies in the face of the church's moral law. And, uh, and for years, I mean, as Joe Doyle pointed out to you, he was part of the sacking of the Bork nomination way back. 
And that was in order to keep abortion going. It was explicitly for that purpose. So Biden is a long time practiced deceiver and practiced pro-abort. So, yeah, the priest was not only within his rights, he was within, well, he was within his rights because he was within his obligations. And, uh, and, and, and no, he's not excommunicated. A lot of people have a very um, broad concept of, of abortion being an excommunicatable offense. I don't think it applies to politicians who support abortion. They don't need to be excommunicated to go to hell for it, okay? <laughs> and they don't need to be excommunicated to be denied Holy Communion for it either. So I, I, uh, I'm glad that people are asking the question. Uh, this is the second time, by the way, that he has been denied communion. Tim Williams was actually at his church in South Carolina in 2020 when Biden presented himself. And Biden tried to get, or he tried to not go into the communion line where a father was and instead tried to go to the line where the Eucharistic minister was or EMCH or whatever they call them these days. And you, the priest, euphemistic monster. Euphemistic monster was. And uh, father was like, eh, 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 eh. And he intervened. <laughs> he, he went, he marched over there to where Biden was. And he quietly told him, you can't receive. Mr. Mr. Vice President, you can't receive. I'm sorry, please. Don't make a scene or whatever. And Biden didn't, and he just left. He didn't make a scene in Tahoe either. He just kind of left. Um, but, but, but I think it's actually a net positive. I think in this, and, and, hey, brother, can I say something that may shock people? Let me say this to, to, to you and to others listening. This may be the most holy thing Biden has ever done publicly. Because people are going like, what? You can be like deny communion and stuff? No, you can't. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I go all the time. I sin every week and I go, what? what? Like, what, what, what? How many lukewarm ninny Catholics don't know that in a state of mortal sin or you're not in a state of grace, you should not receive uh, the Blessed Sacrament. I mean, St. Paul could not be any more clear on this. I think Protestants would understand this, right? Because they, they, they know the Scripture that you should never receive unworthily. And so maybe this is the holiest thing that Biden has ever done publicly. <laughs> Twice now. He's Actually, do you mind if I quote that verse? No, go ahead, please. Because this is this is exactly, I mean, so this is exactly the scriptural basis uh, for this. Um, okay. It's Corinthians, I'm, I'm, right? It's, it's um, do, 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 do. hold on a second. I will... Um, Wait, talk amongst yourselves. I'll talk amongst it. yourselves. It's uh, <laughs> Wisdom Wednesday here with Brother Andre Marie. Uh, we have gotten back under our, our, our COVID narrative, uh, uh, Corona Doom, Sham, sham Plandemic 2.0 meta narrative uh, feedback under us today because, look, folks, buckle in. This little lull in the news cycle we've had, this is the last one. This is it. Until the voting machines open on November the 4th, 2023. By the way, uh, if I have time to talk about this, I just sent Maggie the digital media file. Something interesting from Dan Bongino, who I don't follow, but somebody tagged me in it. Bongino is saying that it may actually be a good thing for Trump to not post bail tomorrow. Now, I didn't listen to the clip, so I'm only thinking between the lines. Uh, why might that be? Well, then that might force the hand of the Georgia legislature uh, 
to do something about Fanny uh, be not tender with Trump's love, uh, Willis, and actually go through with the impeachment and then get a new prosecutor in there or a new district attorney goes like, we're dropping the charges. Uh, the state of Georgia stands for law and order, and this is not law and order. You're dismissed. Please accept our apologies, uh, Mr. Because at that point, he's citizen Trump, Mr. Trump. Uh, and, uh, brother, I assume you found it? Yes, sir, I did. Okay. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to read all, I, I'd like to, but I don't want to read the whole passage. But this, So this is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's the, 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 the money quote really starts at verse uh, 24, where he's narrating what our Lord did at the Last Supper, uh, where our Lord says, take, eat, this is my body, and then in like manner also the chalice, uh, take, eat, um, yeah, this is the chalice of the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as you shall drink for the commemoration of me then. And then St. Paul goes on, for as often as you shall eat this bread and drink this chalice, you shall show the death of the Lord until he come. Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread or drink the chalice of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. But let a man prove himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that chalice. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the Lord. And then he goes on to talk about how um, because of this, because of unworthy communions, there are many who have become sick and died among you. And he's talking about the Corinthian Christian community. So uh, what this clearly says is that if, if you're eating and drinking unworthily, i.e. in what we would call today the state of mortal sin, then you haven't discerned the body of the Lord. So this is the obligation that each one of us has to, to examine our conscience. So let a man prove himself. In other words, examine your conscience, examine your subjective moral state at that time. And uh, this is what all of us have to do. But, but note that this is great apologetics, because you said our non-Catholic uh, Christian brethren know about this verse. Well, uh, but if you, if you look at the verse and if you scrutinize it, you'll see he's not talking about bread and grape juice or whatever is used. And I'm not say that mockingly. I mean, many groups like Southern Baptists use grape juice. He's not talking about mere bread and wine. He's talking about something which... Jesus took and said, this is my body, this is my blood, and which he told the apostles, do this, do this, this thing that I just did, do this. taking this bread and wine and making it my body and blood, you do this in commemoration of me. And the word commemoration is not just, yeah, do it as like a, a, a memorial, like you have a memorial of your mother's death or something. No, it's, it's, it's a liturgical act. This is a, He used the formal word that was used in the... Uh, Old Testament in Greek, the Septuagint, and the New Testament for a formal act of liturgical worship. This is what you're doing in commemoration of me. Um, so, yeah, so it's great apologetics for the Blessed Sacrament, but so we should use it as a teaching moment. Always, always. Mike, right. Mike can, I quick, can I ask for prayers for a specific intention? Please. You, you should know about this because you know you've met Russell the Plume. Uh, Russell is now a widower. His wife died two nights ago, Judith. Oh. So she she uh, she was a, a she had cancer. She had uh, a very very severe lung cancer, and she suffered an awful lot uh, for months. And Russell was uh, was very good about taking care of her uh, a lot towards the end. That's why he's no longer working for us because he had to 
he had to uh, quit so that he could go work, uh, work helping out his wife. So it was the most beautiful death, he told me. All of the family were there. All of the children were there. She had just received the last rites, and they were, all, they were singing hymns and all that stuff. And um, she died very peacefully. And apparently towards the end, all of the pain, which had been very severe, just vanished. And she, was, she died peacefully. Um, so it, it was an edifying death, and hopefully it'll be a real edification for the, her children and many grandchildren. Um, but anyway, please pray for the repose of the soul of Judith LaPlume and also for the consolation of Russell LaPlume and all the children, some of whom need to make their way back to the faith. Um, many of them are very good Catholics, um, but some of them have, uh, have sort of um, gone, gone af far afield. Um, so, uh, anyway, please pray for that. Thank you. You're, uh, you're very welcome. Uh, brother, uh, quickly, what's on tonight's episode of uh, Reconquest? Tonight's episode of Reconquest is called The Imminent Trinity and the Economic Trinity, Part 1. Um, and when we're talking about the economic trinity, we're not talking about a sale on, on <laughs> books on Trinitarian theology. <laughs> we're, we're talking or, about... Uh, we're, not talking about <laughs> we're not talking about onions, bell pepper, and celery. No, no, no. no that, yeah, that's the New Orleans trinity. That's the New Orleans right. trinity. The, 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 the New Orleans culinary trinity. Yeah, right. um, no, the, the, uh, the, the, the economic trinity is a theological reference to the trinity... Uh, as as the Trinity works in creation, as opposed as distinguished from the imminent Trinity, which is talking about the in, inner life of the three persons. So, so yeah. part one, a cliffhanger tonight. Oh yeah, there'll probably be three parts, which I think is kind of appropriate. Yes. Okay. We'll look for that, brother. We got to go. Uh, God bless you. We will play for Judith Laplume and for Russell Laplume, and uh, God bless you and all the brothers and sisters and the community at St. Benedict Center, folks. Don't forget October thirteenth and fourteenth, big St. Benedict Center conference in Richmond, New Hampshire. You're all invited to attend. You need to go make your plans now. Go to Catholicism.org or store.catholicism.org. Wait a minute, you did a you did a redirect. You did a Mike Church. Yeah, go go to go to Catholicism.org slash conference. Conference, there you go. Take you right there and you can register, and I expect to see all of you there. Brother, we have to go. Thank you very much. God bless you. We will if not, uh, uh, talk, uh, see you next week, if not sooner. All right. All right, Mike. God bless and God bless all our listeners.